Footy and Frothies, August 25th, 2021. Our review show of round 23. Daggy with you, joined by Ollie and Bjarni, as always. <laughs> <coughs> Barney, Hello, as always. Man. How are you, David? Yeah, going good, mate. You? Good, good. Kicking away. Staying busy. Staying out of trouble. Staying locked in, all that sort of stuff. Well, I got in the truck today, out of the office, so it was a nice change. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Didn't run over so, anyone. No, I generally try not to do that. It's generally a good idea not to run people over. Yeah, good. But <laughs> how's Oliver this evening? Happy birthday. So our birthday peanut at the top there, uh, Oliver Teary, 21 today. He's got the keys to the door. Uh, how's he pulled up after his one-man 5 a.m. drinking session, apparently? <laughs> No, well, it wasn't a 5 a.m. drinking session. It was a an 8 p.m. drinking session that went to 5 continued on till about 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was surprised with how I pulled up. Pretty much fine, but I figured, yeah. Once my mate started going to bed, and that had to catch up with them over Zoom, which was fine. I thought, nice. I thought, well, you're only 21, only 21 months. So I um, tucked the headphones in, popped the tunes on, grabbed a couple more rums out of the fridge, and. Been group chat cranked up that porn hub, <laughs> off you went, you're set. Had a gale time, yeah. Well, did you? Is that what you look for? Yeah, nice. Oh, well, Easter. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, good work. Well done on making it this far. Hopefully, you've got another birthday or two left in you. Um, <laughs> should we get into some news? Uh, I guess not a big week for news. The main one, well, main couple of stories. The first thing is the three NRL franchises, new potential NRL franchises, met with the NRL. This week to canvas their uh, cases, I suppose. I'm trying to think of the proposal. That's the word off the top of my head to put forward their proposals. Um, Any news out of it, Ollie? Have you heard much, either of you? I've not heard too much news. The NRL are still deciding whether or not to introduce this team or bring the team into the competition, I should say, in 2023 or 2024 now uh, due to the current COVID situation. I'd say... Playing it safe and probably for the best, maybe 2024, I'd say. They can still announce which franchise gets the the nod this year. And I think that's still the plan. Um, and I've spoken to a few people just about it. No, no one is necessarily in the know, but every single person has said that it looks like Redcliffe's going to get the nod. So, yeah. Yeah, from what I understand, the Redcliffe case was essentially, the, essentially they could be playing tomorrow. They have the finances, yeah. they have a plan, and they have a home ground and a club ready to go, and a junior base. Uh, and Sh- I saw Shane Richards' interview last night, and that was um, obviously from him quite a decent case put forward and all sounds quite strong. Barney, any thoughts on <laughs> Can he put forward a strong case? You can see why he's been at the top of the tree for a long while, that mm. bloke. He's um, yeah, definitely someone who's very switched on in what he's doing. Um Oh, they're, they're all pretty financially strong, to be honest. I think they could all, um, if they do want to push it, push through with 2023, I think there's a pretty strong case for all three of them to to uh, hit the round, ground running. Uh, by the looks of it, there's NRL's asked a few questions and just want a, a little bit more finer details out of all three proposals. So we're not going to know much more for at least, I'd say, six to 12 months from now. But uh, it's it's there's plenty to talk about from here to then. So they'll all keep talking about it, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I think we've got much more to add on it, I suppose, until it happens. Uh, apart from the usual, there's always going to be the Bennett rumour and the Munster rumour seems to be the two persistent ones. Well, Munster actually came out today. Uh, he was interviewed by Peter Bedell of the Courier-Mail, and it was funny. He actually interviewed Munster on Wayne Bennett, 
And he said during Origin Camp at the end of last year, Bennett was talking to him and Bennett, you know, didn't, didn't necessarily say he was linked or anything, but said, you know, he was excited that Brisbane were getting a second team. He was excited that a new club was coming in. And I guess Munster sort of described it as in he took it as Bennett's probably going to be the front runner for, for the job. He wants the job. And Munster's, he's not kept it quiet. He he wants the move, I think. I think he, he said if an offer's put on the table, it's going to be very hard for him to pass up. So his contract's up at the end of 2023. So if the team comes in 2024, that'd work for that aspect. He could be a big marquee signing. Otherwise, they'll have to wait a year for him unless Melbourne release him a season early. Yeah, well, well Bennett's laughing because everyone wants him. He can yeah. write his own check. He can go to Parramatta. He could go to uh, South. So happy to keep him. He could go to uh, anywhere he wanted to at the moment. So I take the Bennett stuff with a grain of salt. And I'd, I'd heard Munster essentially say that before. Uh, and someone in his position, why wouldn't you throw your name out there? Yeah, potentially for a million bucks uh, as the face of a new club. Uh, let's. I guess the other the other point that was made though is they still haven't put the proposal to. Um, the TV stations, so they need to yeah. um, obviously find a spot for that under their current agreement. Uh, if there's another team or two teams, uh, I don't necessarily. Well, obviously, a, a buy doesn't add anything to a TV agreement. Yeah. So no, I dare uh, say it'll be very similar. Um, it's, I'm pretty sure we uh, the rights are up before the team will be announced. Anyway, free to so our, probably uh, wouldn't leagues. Uh, Fox have until I think 2027, but uh, free to wear's next yeah. year. So either way, I don't think it's going to matter for these next ones. It'll be, you know, the ones after that. So Yeah, it's funny you guys bring up uh, TV rights because I actually saw today as well, just sort of veering off topic a little bit. Um, apparently Channel 7 uh, entering into a bit of a, a bidding war for the state of origin rights. So not necessarily the games, but we can probably discern from that that they might be going after um, the free-to-air games as well if they're looking to get state of origin. Yeah, well, they there seems to be this groundswell that Channel Nine either aren't necessarily keen to keep it or uh, aren't necessarily favourites even to keep it. So we'll see where that that push come uh, heads in the next twelve months until it happens. I suppose but we're not experts on any of that, so we can't add much more. Uh, the only other real news beyond the uh, the obvious stuff is the uh, Adam Elliott Millie Boyle situation, but uh, I don't have much to add beyond um, what happened and and the fallout. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, mate. Um, every weekend when the pubs were open, I'm sure there was people getting kicked out for similar sort of stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. It's so. a pretty personal matter and I should probably be left at that, to be honest. Um, no, and, you know, we've always taken pride in uh, in doing so, so we'll move on. Just yeah. thought, that, you know, in a light news week, it was something to just mention. Signing <laughs> news. Let's uh, get to uh, this, though. Jaden Campbell, who looks a very, very likely type, uh, is signed to 2024 with the Titans. You must be happy, Ali. Yeah, I'm extremely happy. I mean, we'll get to it, but his performance against Melbourne uh, was great. Just that, I, I guess, sort of changed the team up a bit with AJ going out and Jane Campbell coming in. He sort of presents something a bit different. And I definitely think from 2022 onwards, he has to be in that 17 each and every week. Find a spot for him. You can move AJ to the halves, have him at fullback. You can have him wing centre or at, as a 14 coming off the bench. Um 
obviously some options are better than others, but I just think he's got to be in there. Is Jaden a fullback by trade? So he he's a primarily yeah. fullback. Uh, I might just so quick get you to quickly turn your gain up a tiny bit too, Ollie. Um, but yeah, I I think uh, Campbell should be playing first choice fullback and nearly already. So yeah, whether you AJ's and Ash Taylor's all but uh, on the outer now, so maybe he uh, AJ does end up somewhere around the halves or uh, a fourteen. Uh, Freddie Lusk's gone to the Dragons for the rest of the season on loan as a hooker for them. Alex Kelly, a year extension. Alex Sathar-Farth, a two-year extension, along with uh, Thomas McKayley, both re-signing. And both Egan brothers have extended um, till 2023 with the Roosters. So, yeah, all pretty good little, um, pretty good little set of um, shoring up some talent there. Injury. Yeah, no massive, no massive signings out of it, but no. I agree with you guys. Obviously, Campbell just that youth, he puts himself in the position, and his energy is massive. So he, he looks like probably the best signing made this week. So I'd say so. Injury news. Uh, I guess the big one: Macasiva out for the season. Uh, so the Parramatta won't be seeing him. Not that he touched the ball much in the last six weeks, but um, <laughs> he will be there, not there to not catch it. Um, <clears throat> Might get more ball in hospital. Uh, Mansour out for the season as well with his uh, cruciate slash face. Uh, Adam Dewey season, Kelma Tulungi season, uh, George Jennings couple of weeks, Cohen Hess season, Tyson Gamble yeah. season. I think uh, basically what we've seen is a spate of these injuries have just gone, we'll get shit together and go home <laughs> for a lot of these teams, um, which is fair enough. Uh, and uh, a couple just holding on. Um, Fanukan, Nelson, uh, Safa Solomola, uh, Solomona, and Harris Tavita all just having a rest. George Jennings a couple of weeks, if I didn't mention that. Um, yeah, that's about it for news. Nothing else? Not for me. Nice. Straight to the point. Uh, let's get into the footy chat. Storm 34, Titans 20 in a pretty good first half. I don't know necessarily how the second half fared, in your opinions, but what did the stats say, Barn? We had four tries to six, two out of four conversions for the Titans and five out of six for Melbourne. Uh, a missed field goal attempt by the Titans. We had 71% completion, played 73. 25 out of 35 sets, played 29 out of 40. Four line breaks by the Titans, nine by the Storm. 19 tackle busts to 36. Four offloads to eight. Two forced dropouts by Melbourne. No 40-20s. 304 tackles, played 322. One ruck infringement by the Titans, three by Melbourne, and two inside the 10 by Melbourne. Five penalties conceded to one, 12 errors to 11. Tino made 38 tackles, Grant with 45, Marzu with 201 metres, and Pappy with 181. Kelly missed five tackles, made 20. Herbert missed four and made 10. There's 21 missed tackles in the Gold Coast back line, which is not going to help your cause. Munster with missed four, uh, Josh Adekar made 136 supercoach points. Munster with 111. Pappenhausen with 101. And then we get to Marzu with 73 points for the Titans. Uh, you may as well lead us away, Ollie. Uh, what, did, what positives did you take out of the game? And then where exactly do you think the Titans are at? The main positives I'm taking out of this game, sort of the same positives I've really been taking out when these players have played over the past sort of 10 weeks or so. Obviously, Jaden Tiam was the main one. I'd say for me, uh, a great margin as well. He, he's someone else who I think cemented himself a first-grade spot next season. Um, look, I bag him out every week now, but Dave's with the feet, I probably was nowhere near his best. 
or I don't think put in that effort that he should be putting in against the Melbourne Storm. But then again, I guess it's a positive that we're still able to be as competitive as we were um, with him sort of out of action during that game. You could say, for me, the Titans, are, I've still got them eighth. And I guess that performance was enough to suggest to me that they can get there. I'm a little disappointed, though, that we could sort of go toe-to-toe with Melbourne for a little bit in this one, but we couldn't do so against South Sydney. Obviously, for and against is a, is, is a huge thing. And when we get to the Sharks game, I mean, that's the main reason why they're currently eighth now. And the Titans are ninth due to that for and against. So it would have been good to sort of put in a similar effort against South Sydney and sort of shore that up a little bit. But no, I, I can't be disappointed with this performance. I saw Titans fans online complaining and stuff about the loss and being upset. It's Melbourne. To be honest, they probably should have put 40 on us. Sounds like Titans fans complain about lots of things. Yeah. Um, I might yeah. just get you to turn your game down a tiny bit because you sound even mm. worse. I, I don't know what's going to feel like there. Maybe check it's plugged in. Um, as a Titans fan, I'll get you in a sec, Barn. As a Titans fan, what would you want to see from David Feder to make it worth? Does he have to win you a final now to make it worthwhile, the 1.2? Or have you just accepted your fate? Is he now <clears throat> on the chopping block halfway through next year if this is how, how he's going to play? I don't know if he's on the chopping block because this season we have seen him put in some monstrous performances uh, in a good way. I'd probably say so. Winning a finals game, look, I don't think it's going to happen this year if we do make the finals. I think we're most likely going to burst the roosters if we do, and I think that's going to end up a bit of a space job. But he's definitely going to have to be our best player. Put it that way. He's going to have to be our best player in the finals, leading the charge. That That's the type of player that's worth sort of your one point. Two five million. He's got to be the one leading the charge. He's got to consistently be the best player every week as yeah. well. Barney, what do you take for the Titans? Uh, and then you can you can give your thoughts on Fafita as well if you like. Oh well, these um, I don't think him. I don't think he'll lose his contract. He might lose a fair chunk of cash out of his next contract when they when they sign him, re-sign him, or someone else signs him. But um, yeah, he's it's just too too hit and miss realistically uh, for what. For, as you said, for the amount of money that he's getting paid to be the marquee player. And he's probably been the marquee player, what, four or five times out of 20-odd 20, 20 rounds. So, yeah, it's, um, it's not a great output for what he's getting paid. I thought the Titans were fantastic in the first half. I thought they were, for the majority of the first half, they were probably the stronger team. Um, they had more energy. They were putting themselves in brilliant positions and their defence was quite tight in that first half. Um, Melbourne's attack wasn't brilliant in that first half either, but um, I would have thought that first half's probably the best 40 minutes they've put in for the entire season, to be honest, out of the Titans. Um, then the Storm sort of straightened up a little bit in that second half and sort of stopped the side-to-side stuff and um, started to take them on through the middle again. And then it's just when the Storm hit the go button, there's no there's, nobody goes with them. You know what I mean? It's but almost... There's, um, there's one it's or two almost teams a, that go with Every them. time Storm lose a half, it's the same reason why. It's the same mm. halftime speech, and it's the same result after. <laughs> yeah, Munster straightens up, Grant straightens up, and they start attacking uh, with angles back into the middle of the field, and then, yeah, and then it just obviously opens up the uh, opens up the back, uh, opens up the outside edges. So, um, I thought it was more the Titans. There was a couple of pretty bad defensive lapses which got them on the back foot, and then once you're on the back foot against the Storm, good luck trying to get back on the front foot unless you're going to pull something out um, pretty special. So, 
As said, Grant and Munster just started to pick him to pieces um, once they got got the upper hand in field position. Harry uh, Grant is Pop- so great. He was outstanding <laughs> on. <laughs> yes, we do, we do. I think everyone knows you've got a bit of a man crush on Harry Grant. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, he's a, he's a serious football player. That's for sure. I thought Fogarty was pretty impressive considering he, um, you know, he's just this, this was his comeback again from injury. He seems to come back just as strong every time he does get injured, which is, um, you know, more often than he would like. But um, he's a he's a serious number seven um, with the likes of Sexton and Brimson going in there next year. It could be, you know, something to work on. But um, Peachy Campbell were probably the next two. Uh, Peachy was super strong when he came on. He's He's had a bit of buzz about him probably for the last three to four weeks. He just seems to be making an impact when he comes off the bench. And Jaden Campbell, as we mentioned, he was everywhere. He just he just gets himself in the right position. And he's got he moves so well and he's so quick that um, you know, if you give him half a gaff, he's gonna he's gonna make you pay for it. So Mazu again was probably uh I think he's been dropped this week, which I do is not he, understand. Yeah, I thought is he injured? I can only assume <laughs> I mean, he's injured. I, I heard today he was dropped, but yeah, I, but. <laughs> I don't understand that. He's um he's putting himself in the mo- in the mold of being one of those super strong returners of the ball, and he's a, a seriously good finisher too. So big body, hard to stop. He's uh he looks like a good first grade winger coming forward. Furmore again, um, the back end of the season for him has been super impressive. He's gone to a new level, um, considering he, where he started from at the start of the year. And Tino just puts out the work every week. He doesn't kill it every week, but he does his job at minimum. So that's something to take for the Titans. Um, Josh Adokar and Pappy, they were just dangerous every time they touched the ball. You could see the defence start to sort of backpedal and freak out as soon as one of those I thought Adokar touched the ball. was fantastic. I thought he was real good. Yeah, yeah he's... Um, He's probably the best finisher running around, to be honest. Him and Alex Johnson, they're um, they're seriously good finishers. He doesn't have the sustained speed of Saab, but he knows when to use his like thirty meter burst. Like he'll yeah, use it to 100%. get it just to get away from someone, and then he can put it back in. You know, drop it a gear and, and get home. But got any anything that we missed? No, I think you've covered it pretty well. Um, like I said, I thought yeah, Harry Grant <laughs> just straightened him up. His timing and control was fantastic. You mentioned Munster. Munster's now put together a good month of footy. We were quite critical of him for a while, and he was um, he was great. I thought they were the clear two best players in the field, and I was impressed. Uh, you named all the Titans players, uh, and, and given they were missing arguably the best forward and Ford Awaker, they they matched up pretty well for for most of it. Yeah, like the thing about the the, the thing I raised the Fafita thing is because I was thinking about it. You could argue, I would say Ola Katow's one manly as many not one. But being as effective in in big games as Fafita has been, so, say you picked Ola Katow's six best, yep. put against Fafita's best, and, and what, what's between them probably eight hundred thousand dollars, at least. So it was just you need to it's see close. that uh, that consistency. Um, but we know that I suppose I'm not shedding any light there. Uh, Ash Taylor's <laughs> probably played his last game of NRL, so. We'll see where Red all heads for him. There's enough good signs where I think, Ollie, you'd be in a pretty happy spot for next year, given you've got a, another... I know you don't need necessarily need a middle forward, but he, he doesn't seem quite happy with your prop rotation, so Leo will help that, I think. Um, and, I and it's going to come down. would make a big difference to the Titans, but um, I can't see him going nice. backwards next year. So. No, that's right. So if, if they're borderline now, if they can get a few little things right, they're probably a, a genuine six or seven again next year. Um, Harry Grant three, Munster two, Fox one. 
Oh, do you want to throw a Titans player? Pappenhausen won. I okay. just thought that um, he, he was pretty impressive the way he carved them apart a yeah. couple of times there. So. We, actually, we didn't even mention him. Do you want to just touch on him? So he, he's look at, he'll be ready to go for finals, won't he? It's third game back, and he's he's been better every game. Um, probably he probably looks worse because some of the guys around him are playing even better. So yeah. <laughs> you know, you put him in a, in one of these other teams that are struggling, he looked like one of the best in the world. So he's um he's just got that pace and elusiveness and gets on the outside of his man most of the time when he's on that sweet play and makes it very difficult for defenses. So. There was no hesitation in any of his play. I thought the first week there was a, he was a little bit hesitant, but I think that's all past, and he's back and firing. So three, two, one, the three big guns there. Uh, Seagulls nineteen, Raiders eighteen. Look, I thought that score generally flattered the Raiders, but I'll get to that in a sec. Tell us the stats first. Um, three tries apiece, two out of three conversions for the Raiders, and three out of three for Manly. Uh, the Raiders missed the two point field goal, Manly. Uh, converted their one point field goal and they had uh, Canberra had a one out of one penalty shots 81% completion for the Raiders 79% for Manly 34 out of 42 sets played 34 out of 43 three line breaks to five 38 tackle busts from the Raiders and 51 by Manly three offloads to six three force dropouts by Manly 0 40 20s 381 tackles played 351 two ruck infringements to three one inside the 10 by the Raiders, one penalty by the Raiders and three by Manly. Nine errors to 10. Uh, Manly had a sin bin at the back end of the game there. Hodgson with 55 tackles. Jake with 47. Tapani with 181 metres. Garrick with 244. Uh, Sammy Williams, 21 tackles, missed six. Whiten, 18, missed five. Uh, Tavita Funa made four and missed four. Ola Katow made 23 and missed five. Uh, Harley Smith Shields with 92 super coach points. Tomoko with 90 and DCE with 84. Yeah, you flagged Tomoko uh, in his first stint and he, he was good again. He was close to Canberra's. Him and Rappanar were probably close to Canberra's best over the 80 minutes. Every time he touched the ball, uh, he gave him headaches. Yeah. He and, moved. He's a good mover. Uh, so I think that, yeah, good signs there. Um, Canberra good for half an hour and then the fade set in and I thought, Manly were almost in cruise control for the last 20 uh, once without putting it away, but I never felt nervous. And, and as I said, the score, f- people have carried on like this was an all-time thriller, but once DC kicked that field goal, they'd packed up shop and then they wouldn't have had that dumb play which gave the ball back and then had a sin bin if they were, weren't were pretty comfortable. That said, it was probably a nervous. It was a nervous 20 last seconds, but um, Ola Katow was the one that dragged him back into this game. He was fantastic through that middle. And DCE... Um, is a star. He, he's probably this year been the second best halfback in the comp consistently. Uh, he was outstanding again, and I think if he plays for Canberra, Canberra win by ten. Um, they were. He was. He led him around. You, Jake is um, as good a one-on-one tackler, good as defensive. Uh, no surprise. Good a defensive <laughs> forward in the game still. And um, have I missed anyone? Whiten was good again. Whiten um, is now strung a couple back to back. But I felt like for a game that they just wanted to get through without Tommy there, they did it. Pretty well, despite having to chase a 12-point lead. I, I thought by the time they woke up and played footy, they were good enough for, for 45 minutes there to, to clock in and, and get through this game. Uh, have I read that right, Barn? Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, pretty good summary, that one, mate. I thought um, the Raiders' first 30 to 40 minutes is probably their best 30, 40 minutes that they've played all season, similar to the Titans in the first game. Um, they, they absolutely ripped in. They were super strong in the middle um, without, you know, completely... Belton Manly, but I thought the Sea Eagles were pretty rattled in that first half. Mm. They, um, they, there was a few mistakes. They didn't seem to have a, a 
really good game plan. And the reason that the, the scores were kept as close as they were were just uh, absolutely on the back of DCE's non-kicking game. He kicked early, he kicked into space, he just kept, you know, when Raiders were winning field position, he got he turned it around and kicked them back into their corners and made them work out of their corners. So um, Probably better than, know. oh, we'll get clear, but he did that better than anyone did all weekend. Reynolds couldn't do it, uh, Walker couldn't do it, and he um, he took it on himself. And the key to that is, like you said, kicking early. He's not afraid to just go, right, I'm going to boot it downfield in a second, let's get their chase right. Whereas South's got well. into that thing where they were just getting bashed for five and kick still kicking off the 40. Whereas <laughs> Reynolds probably could have, you know, we st- we'll get to the Reynolds thing, but um, he might have missed a trick in not doing that. Yeah, I think I think um, Canberra probably would have scored one or two more tries if um, DC's kicking game wasn't as mm-hmm. good because they, they did camp themselves down there at times and it was only off the back of his kicking that they got back down the other end of the field. I thought Canberra's pack as a whole were were really good and they were probably slightly better than Manly's pack as a whole. Um, there was probably one or two standouts in the Manly pack that were better than Canberra, but as a as a complete unit, Canberra's unit uh, operated pretty well. Uh, I thought Canberra's reserve bench was probably what hurt them. They had absolutely no impact at all, the four blokes that came off the bench for Canberra. Um, as you mentioned, I thought uh, Tomoko was, he looks like an absolute handful. He was giving them headaches every time he touched the ball. Um, he led to a try, um, and just, what just about that disallowed to, try? That uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but he, he had him turned inside out a lot of the time, mm. just on his own bat, which was um, which was really good. But the Alakatau, he's dead set terrorist on an edge. Yeah. When he's got his mind on running over the top of blokes, <laughs> he just busts them open. And then there was a couple of runs there where he made 30, 40 meters and just you know busted open an edge, and then off the back of that. Manly got down there, and um, and again, a lot of their points came from their kicking as well. DCE's kicking, short kicking game, um, bombs, what have you, got got them points. Um, obviously, they're a much better running team when Turbo's there, but when he's not, they seem to revert back to that get DCE kick it, you know, kick the other team to death. They, so. they do play that. They do try the with Garrick. They try that sweeping Tommy play. He's just not as good at it. They do try it early, um, <laughs> of course. but it doesn't work. Um, yeah, we haven't mentioned. Um, Ed, speaking of edges, Sully, the yeah, we Tomoko Sully battle was a ripper. Yeah, I was just about to say, um, Jake Turbo was probably their best forward. Uh, Sully on that edge, he's he's come into his own. Ball in hand, he's brilliant. Um, he's got a few defensive reads in him, but that's um, a lot of the centers do that are running around at the moment. I thought Schuster was really good. Um, obviously, lost his head there with a bit of stupidity at the end and got himself sent to the Symbian. Which didn't help, but um, yeah, I didn't think there was much more to add in this one. Ollie? Yeah, the interesting thing, but I agree as well that DC was probably the best player in this game if he doesn't play for Manly. I think Canberra probably just get over the line, but you talk about the kicking game. The White and Williams dynamic, I think Williams was probably sharing the kicking a bit too much with White. I don't know why White was kicking that much. I don't think it's his strength. He's got to really more be running the ball, being creative as that sort of ball running half. And I'd say you give the team fully to Williams to control. Obviously, that can be a bit hard when we're talking about the rating tally and the player of the year. I've, year, I've come around to, to you know, I've come around to the John, John Shimon, uh, Johnny Theory, who's been on the show, that Whiten should be playing lock as a running, as yeah. a ball playing lock and then have, because Frawley's probably got the best kicking game. I, I'd say the most unique, the one that probably... I'd say puts puts teams off the most and mm. sort of slows the game right down, which I think 
Sam Williams has the capability to do as well. And th that's why I sort of raised the question again, like why was White and kicking as much as he was? I, I think that's something that let Cameron down a little bit. And in turn, it also impacted the, the effect that Williams had when he was kicking the ball too. And compare that to DCE, who kicked to death. Um, yeah, I just don't know what was happening there. I've got a feeling it's a case of White's our 5'8", so he has to play like a 5'8". Do you know what I mean? I, I think they're, they're trying to put a square peg in a, a round hole. Um, uh, yeah, I think they, they could do much worse, and they've got a good forward pack, so it's a hard crowbar. Uh, uh, other than moving back to the centres, uh, which is no disgrace either, and, and would be deadly given the way the edges are in most of the teams this year, uh, move him to lock and play both the halves that they had when they were winning those games back-to-back. Um, I guess overall, do we say, is it a tick for the Eagles heading into the finals? Or are you just happy to say neutral and we'll see what happens? Oh, they were down a little bit, obviously. Um, they weren't at their peak, 100%. They weren't at their peak. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back over the next two weeks. But now, pretty much anyone in the top six for the next two, two oh, starting last week, for the last three rounds, they're just in cruise control. So they're just trying to get a job done. If they don't get it done, it's not the end of the world. So... Yeah, they're just trying to really get through without getting injured, and you know. <laughs> yeah, well, they've already sure said. I think B, fit, so. Arthur's already said he's going to basically rest everyone against Penrith, so that they're already pulling bunches. Um, and, and I can I can see. Uh, your well, Hughes is back there, so I can see um your Munsters and a couple of those other Melbourne forwards maybe have an extra week off in the next week as well. Um, sorry, I just cut you off there, didn't Dad. No, mate. No, I thought um, DCE was the best on the ground with three points. I gave Ola Katao two. And um, Hudson Young, I gave one point. He's been super strong the last couple of weeks. He's getting through massive, massive amounts of work and his running game's starting to come good. So. Uh, I had Jake or Jake or Tomoko or Suli for one, whichever way you wanted to go there. But um, no problem with what you've said either. Oli? Uh, it's a tough one because they all played... They all played really well. I'll go with Hudson Young. I guess we'll give the Canberra player a point. But okay. the the two big big ones were obviously DCA and Ola Cattell. Now the big difference makers. Let's go with that GT. All right. The uh, the main event of the are we all right to keep going. Good. Yeah. Uh, Panthers twenty five, South twelve. The main event on the Friday night. Uh, a very good game. Maybe not the best indication of where they might be in a couple of weeks, but not far off it. Uh, it Maybe tarnished as well. But what did the stats say though, Barn? Yes, we had four tries for the Panthers, two for Souths, one out of one field goal attempt for the Penrith, and two out of two penalties uh, for Penrith, one out of one for Souths. 88% completion, played 74%, 38 out of 43 sets, played 28 out of 38. Two line breaks to three, 32 tackle busts, played 31, six offloads to eight. Two forced dropouts by Penrith and a 40-20 by Souths. 321 tackles, played 383. One ruck infringement for Penrith, and two inside the 10s for Penrith. Two penalties conceded to 11, seven errors to 11. Yo with 39 tackles, Cook with 58, Crichton with 185 metres, Gay Guy with 173. Naden made five tackles, missed four. Martin made 29 and missed five. Graham made 14, missed five. And Reynolds made 16 and missed five. Cleary with 86 supercoach points, Gay Guy with 83, and Cook with 80. I thought it was pretty. Out, it was an outstanding game, really. Um, few errors and penalties, obviously, cruel, cruel the game for, at different times. But um, 
Souser red hot early on that left hand side. That 40 20 from Reynolds was one of the most pinpoint kicks you've ever seen, I think. Um, just over the bloke's head and just dropped inside. There's probably a little bit of luck in it as well, but it was, um, he, he, he meant to do it. So you can't say much else apart from that. Um, and uh, Kulamatangi's offload for the Latrell try. Two or three blokes hanging off him and he just flicks it out the back. That was another really nice piece of football. I enjoyed that. But, um, and, South had the majority of the ball and momentum for what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. 25. And I thought they probably should have scored another try or two. And if they do, um, obviously the back end of this game is a lot closer and they might, may have even stolen it. But um, Penrith, obviously TPG came on uh, when, when Edwards got knocked out, which was a bit of a turning point in this game, to be honest. Edwards looked like he was a little bit off early and Crichton going back there, he was superb for the rest of the game. Um Penguin Jr. and Kikau both put their shoulders in and sort of stopped the, those edge runs, um, hitting centres and halves early with good, strong defence. And their middle stiffened up as well. So they started putting shots on, which slowed South down a lot, slowed their play to ball down. And then um, they just started to get a bit of field position. You know, Cleary, Cleary's kicking game was brilliant for the majority of this game, especially in the second half. But... Um, South started to sort of compress their defence. I don't know why. Momorowski went down twice down that right-hand side. And both times, the winger was 15 metres off the sideline. So <laughs> Cleary saw it early and just spun it out there. And um, he basically had metres to run into, got in behind the defence. And both times, uh, again, you could say there's a bit of luck to it. But that Cleary one, that's exactly where he wanted the ball to go when he put it back on his foot and it went straight to him. And... The critter one, I'm not sure if he was actually trying to hit his crime no, no, with it no, no. or not, but it worked out perfectly for Penrith, didn't it? So, um, as I said, I thought Penrith went in closer than they should have at half time. But um, then once once Penrith got in front, they just kicked him again. Another game where Cleary just kicked him to death. He he, he puts up bombs that go that high, but he can still get 50 metres off them. I just I don't understand how he can kick it from halfway and have the thing come down just in front of the in goal and it's swinging around all over the place. Latrell and <laughs> Mansell was fucking standing there going, underneath the ball going, oh, Mitchell, come and take it. Come oh, on, I don't he, fucking want it. And you're just like, oh, fuck. He wanted no part of anything that went near after about... 40 minutes in the, after about 45 and minutes in that game. Latrell didn't really want much to do with them either, no. to be honest. So, um, yeah, they're, they're going to have absolute nightmares, those two over that, especially if they're backing up first game again next. Well, obviously, Mansell won't be, but Latrell will have it in the back of his mind first week of the semifinals when they get down into that kind of position again. And this is the thing. That's a template now. Even if you're a, even a Parramatta or a Manly, you now have to... If I was the first thing you'd be doing is going right, just get as high as you can and make Latrell have to catch. Put it between the because if he drops a couple, he starts slumping a little bit and he starts, mm-hmm. you know, down himself, and that's what you need to get him doing. Penrith was ultra impressive, but their grind and their effort was fantastic. Um, they've got some big guns to come back as well. So, to me, this short up, this actually made me think that they're probably a better chance if they get in a one-on-one battle with Melbourne than. Uh, what I thought before this game, to be honest, um, Cleary and Yo were obviously the standouts of Penrith. Um, Yo is such a fucking good player, man. He's just gone so good this year. He's, I don't even remember him being, I remember him being a good player, but I never thought he'd reach the standards yep. that he's at at the moment. He's such a big body. He's pretty quick too. He's got a 
good passing game. He can run over the top of you as well. He's yeah, he's a brilliant player. Uh, Liam Martin, Kickow, and Appy were probably the best of the rest for for the Penrith team. Um, Appy was actually came to life a couple of times there in this one, which was good. Cook and Murray were the standouts, I thought, for the Rabbits, and then probably followed by Jai Arrow and Kulamatangi. So. Ollie, what do you take away in it all? Yeah, well, the big one for me, I, I don't think he was the best player, but in, in terms of changing the game, when Tavita Pangai Jr. came on, I think we are talking last Wednesday on the show, and we were saying, well, it's going to be a tight one either way, realistically, but if a TPJ comes in late, which he did, or a James Fisher-Harris, that that would swing the... Uh, the totem pole towards Penrith. And that's, I, I want to say that is what happened, but I, I don't want to overemphasize the um, the impact uh, that he had. It did swing the game a bit for me. Cleary was just, uh, he was great. Another masterclass and in defense as well, still putting in that defensive effort, which I'm surprised he's done two weeks in a row now, heading into the finals, coming back from that shoulder injury. I wonder if maybe over these next couple of weeks, Ivan will give him a tap in the shoulder and say, just, maybe try and stay out of it a little bit because they want to keep him fit and firing it for the finals. But yeah, the battle between Yo and Murray as well, one of the best sort of one-on-one matchups we've seen this year. I think you brought that up during the game, Barney, as well. Um, but yeah, Murray would have been at least the standout for me for South Sydney. Cook was up there as well. Um, but yeah, I think it was really from that battle, Yo and Murray sort of just trying to one-up each other and get their team on the front foot. Yeah, I... The game changed. Souths were kill, absolutely murdering Penrith for the first 20 minutes through the middle. And that was Cook and Murray, just that one-two punch. And they were they had them rolling. They didn't know which way to go. And they just had absolute domination of that ruck for 20 minutes. And like you said, it was... And not to forget Kikau in that bit. Uh, Kikau and TPJ both coming on is what changed it. In terms of result, I'm annoyed at myself for not sticking to the guns I had for the first 16 rounds where I thought South's forward pack can't, in a contest like this, match the A-grade the, the A forward pack. And I was probably proven right, but I am going to uh, defend in a little bit South, which is, is a weird thing from where I was six weeks ago, in that that was a very, very short 10-metre line. And I don't care what you can say, but for both teams' defence to have three men in every tackle for 75 minutes of that game... Either that is a superhuman effort from both teams or it's an eight-metre uh, advantage line. And I, I'm leaning towards... There was just close to five. Yeah, there was, no, there was some of those tackles where there was no chance for any... didn't matter who would have been running it up. Um, yeah. Payne Haas on Glenn Lazarus' shoulder wouldn't have made metres in some of those defensive <laughs> lines. Uh, but it's... But uh, by the time... And then you could see, uh, as, as we said, Cleary's kicking game then put Penner from field position... And though Souths took, did take 20 minutes to crack, you could see they were cooked by the time they did. And once that um, third try went in, the game was over. You, Souths weren't going to be able to come back. But I thought it was good defence. I, I, I was impressed by how well Souths did hang on. Uh, the thing with Souths is if they're going to win, as we're back to what, how you said they would beat Para when we had this argument again back in June. Yeah. If Souths are going to win the comp, they need to almost play like Manly and just spread the ball from the second tackle. Get yep. it out. Get it out to Latrell. Don't worry about trying to get complete five and kick. Just mm-hmm. spread it. Try and get Latrell one-on-one with someone and score early. Get going. If you can't, if you're not going to break in tackle three, kick it kick and, it and, and back yep. your defensive line. Try that uh, and try and get at a 12 or 18-point lead. Because 
It could re- realistically be eighteen nil half time. Like should have been. Let's be yeah. honest. Momorowski's two been. kicks were complete. I don't say complete ass, but there was an element of luck. I thought uh, the first one was. He absolutely meant that first one. Yeah, I, one, and yeah. I'll give you now. The second one was ass, <laughs> but could you, you know, but I know he meant it. But you've seen that ball bounce back. You could have bounced anywhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and it could have been eighteen nil. Probably deserved to be. I, I felt at halftime, once it got to that close, I thought Penrith had all the momentum. So you've got to almost blitz Penrith like Melbourne did. You've got to try and get that 18 lead and then make them chase because then they can panic a little. Um, they missed their shot with that. and, and But like like we said, I, I, I'm dubious on the 10 metres um, in a few games lately. But that all being said, the back end, the complete control, you've mentioned the A-grade players were A-grade. Nathan Cleary, that was a masterclass you know, better than the DCE masterclass we saw. And it's it's funny, in a year of fullbacks, it's this round was a halfbacks round. Uh I thought Reynolds like I know I've sort of been critical of him, but he was he's that forty twenty is incredible. DCE was great. Theory was tremendous. We'll get into a few more as we keep going. They were all fantastic. So I thought there was uh a, it was a real halfbacks round, which is good to see. Do I want to take Penrith to a grand final? I think so. Do I think they can beat Melbourne? I think now the grand final is going to come down to it. It's going. To, it's a funny thing, but it's going to come down to an individual effort. It could be a Harry Grant, could be a Nathan Cleary, could be a Yo, could be a Fisher Harris. But I think it's going to be yeah. a a Clive Churchill winning. Whoever wins Clive Churchill is going to win the comp, which usually happens. But do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, three points Cleary, and then yeah. it's two and one for Yo and Murray for me. I had Yo and Murray or Cook, but yeah, I'm happy with Murray. Yeah, Murray, for one, definitely. Yeah, um, fantastic. And just on both Yo and since we've been doing this show, it's funny the players uh, that I've fallen in love with as footballers, uh, and Cam Murray and Yo are up right, you know, talk about your Crichtons and Harry Grants, whoever yeah. else, but um, they're right at the top of the list now. They're, I'm just so impressed by them every week. Um, yeah, they leave nothing out there. Um, they, you know, they don't miss many tackles, they don't make many mistakes, they add so much to their team. It's not funny. Yeah, well, t- 12 months ago, we were sitting here and we were discussing, well, probably a bit over 12 months ago, we were sitting well, at the pub, sorry, we were discussing, you know, whether Isaiah would be able to crack into the New South Wales team and we'll say, oh, well, he'll probably be in the squad but there are, and it's nothing against him, but there are just players who have be, been better. Now we're sitting here and he... There's an argument gonna have that he could be the Australian injured. captain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Well, the Australian lock at least... Mm. And I think he's well and truly secured that that lock position for New South Wales as well. So it's funny what difference twelve months can make. And and, and maybe that's a lesson for um, some of the players sort of floundering around as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of floundering around, uh, <laughs> Sharks fifty defeated the Tigers twenty. What did the stats say here? But so we had four tries for the Tigers, nine for the Sharks. Two out of four conversions played seven out of nine. Uh, it was. What have I done here? Uh, missed the two-point field goal by the Tigers. 67% completions played 70%. 26 out of 39 sets played 28 out of 40. Five line breaks to 10. 39 tackle bust to 38. 19 offloads to 7. One force dropout by the Sharks. 140-20 by the Sharks. 283 tackles played 284. One ruck infringement apiece. Two inside the 10 by the Sharks. Three penalties conceded to four. 12 errors played 15. 12 with 39 tackles, Rudolph with 37, Cheekham with 142 metres, and Kennedy with 203. 
Uh, Mbai made five tackles, missed four. Walters made 19 and missed seven. Kennedy made three and missed four. And Tracy made 12 and missed four. Trindle with 130 supercoach points. Mulatano with 112. Katoa with 101. And then Cheekam with 95. Or at least this is on the home straight talking about this fucking team. But um, <laughs> caveat here, we lost by 30, so there's no excuse. There's nothing like. So, But I thought they they had their chances to almost win this game, but they lost the arm wrestle. As soon as that happened, there was no line speed. They were terrible. Um, <clears throat> th- there's eight blokes here that nearly shouldn't be playing first grade. Uh, Sharks were good enough, but you know they beat up a reserve grade team. Uh, and, and you, they did what they had to do in terms of what we talked about, talented touch footy players playing touch footy um, against slower uh, blokes that can't defend side to side. So um, impressive enough, you'd be happy, Barn. Um, I don't think you take yeah, it out of the game, enough. but it, nah. you know, it just was what it was. Tigers would probably be quite happy to get back to um, Mad Monday. Actually, they'll have, probably have them in Queensland. But, um, you know, there's, there's five blokes here that really... Realistically, they should be trying to have in first grade next year. The rest of them you wouldn't even worry about anymore. Um, Ollie, you wrote an article again about Madgen Brooks. What was that? And uh, and then your thoughts. Yeah, so pretty much the talk is, I think it was Brent Reader reported it, over the next two weeks, the Tigers are apparently going to decide whether they're going to persist with Madge Maguire or they're going to persist with Luke Brooks. They've come to the decision that they're not going to stick with both. I don't know if there's any tension going on between these two or what. It, it looks like though Brooks will be the one to go with all the reports that he's been chopped around by his manager. Apparently the Tigers are backing this now as, as well in terms of they know, they know what's happening. The initial report was they were doing it behind his back and the club has also publicly come out and backed Madge for 2022. So it's looking like Brooks will be going and I can only think of two Sydney-based clubs, which is the report uh, that he could end up at. One's the Bulldogs. The other one is, unfortunately, your boys, Barney. Maybe not unfortunately. Maybe it'll be um, just what he needs if he ends up at the Sharks, but I can't really see him going anywhere else, at least to start. I'd say those are the only two places where he'd maybe get a start. Dragons might take him. That's right, the Dragons as well, and you can yeah. sort of... Like, it's absolutely Dragons' uh, MO, MO to take um, a $400 halfback that... that um, $400,000 halfback that... Or an $800,000 halfback they can get for four. Yeah, so that, that's pretty much what's going on with Brooks. Obviously, with, with the minute the Tigers signed Jackson Hastings, I think the writing was really on the wall. You're playing Jackson Hastings as your halfback. Adam Dewey's been superb, so I think, Bro- yeah... Brooks will go. Um, and if not, he's going to be either playing 14, like you suggested, is a possibility last week, Daggy. Um, but other than that, this game, we talk about halves playing good. I thought Brayden Trindle was actually really good for your boys, the Sharks. And I also think Will Bubba Kennedy, um, if you needed any reason as to why Nico Hines isn't playing fullback for the Sharks next year and why he's playing 5'8", obviously, because he's a great 5'8", as well. But uh, I think Kennedy sort of cemented that there. He had an awesome game. It's hard to really pick, especially in the back line. The fours probably could have been a bit better for Cronulla, but they didn't really need to be because the backs were just on fire. The Tigers sort of hung on long enough, sort of until there was really 10, 15 minutes left, and then the Sharks just ran away with it. Yeah, if that, if, Tigers, that scrum, yeah. if that stupid scrum try is not overturned, then it's 
it's an interesting game, but that was it, and, yeah. and the gates opened. So. Yeah, and I'm not saying the Tigers were ever going to win the game, but they just sort of they were just sort of there where it was still possible and still feasible if they were able to pull something out, but they weren't. And yeah, then they just sort of completely dropped off that last 10-15, which now they mathematically can't make the finals. This was the definition of a do or die game for the for the Tigers and you'd think they'd probably stick at it for the full 80 especially when there's still a chance of them coming back and winning but at the end of the day um, you can't really fault any of the backs at least personally for me in that Corona Shark side Anything to add Bart? I thought the first half an hour was an absolute competition on who could play the worst game of football that anyone yes. had ever fucking seen all they, all they did was make mistakes miss tackles and yeah, drop balls. It was <laughs> it was a pretty tough watch for the first half of the hour. Um, yeah, this, this, as I said, the Sharks, I've been saying it for a few weeks now, the Sharks really need to start using their wingers and their outside backs because that's, um, you know, none of their forwards are going to score points for them <laughs> except for maybe a, a second row barging over here and there. But um, they finally went there. They, and... Um, the first 15 minutes in the last 10 minutes of the second half, the Tigers' middle defence fell apart. Like they, You had wingers, Mulatano and Katoa, coming back through the middle and just breaking tackles. And I think Katoa went through untouched and you know they score under the post. Um, especially that first um, 15 minutes of the first half. I don't know what happened to the Tigers. I know the Sharks had sort of run them around a little bit towards the back end of the first half, but they were just completely, they looked shot. They looked like they did, they couldn't, their legs were heavy and their middle defense just absolutely fell apart, especially that Militano try. I think he went through three or four blokes. Yeah. And then um, Metcalf, I think you actually scored it. He was, um, he was super impressive. Actually, he's a good little ball player and he's uh his nippy gets around. I think he's had a few injuries coming up uh, through the grades, but he, um, yeah. Where does he fit in a proper first grade team? Like, where does he fit next year, yeah, for example? Probably reserve grade. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's thing, yeah. Um, might get a fourteen. He could play six somewhere. Um, one of the the teams that are struggling, he could probably fill a spot at six for. He's a six. He's an out and out six by the looks of it. But um, he probably doesn't make the shark side next year unless it's on the in, as a fourteen. Um, the sharks, uh, the tigers didn't look like they gave two fucks at the back end of the game, to be honest. Um, obviously, they knew they were done, but they just they didn't even look like they were going to compete for the last probably 10 minutes of the game. Uh, Cheekham was their best by a fair way. Um, I don't know, is he a centre or a back row? He's a back <laughs> He seems to play better in the centres. You know, he's an attacking centre that can't defend in the centres. Yeah, that's it's, true. He's got he's got the footwork of a, of a reasonable centre. He's got size. Uh, he can beat a person... But he gets beaten one on one quite easily as well, uh, yeah, which is not on his Pat Malone there. And if you have, um, if you had Cam Murray defending inside him, you'd probably be a bit more comfortable. But uh, yeah, it, then you go you go from Cheekham down to Simpkins um, off Angao. He had one of his better games of the year, and Luciano puts in every game for the for the Tigers. Um, the halves were the difference in this game. They got some nice quick early ball to the outside backs, and um, Katoa and. Mulatano do what they do. They're big, they're fast, and they get through tackles. So when given the opportunity, they score. Big loss now for the Sharks with Mulatano. Hopefully he's right round one next year. Should be. I think Jaw's normally about th- four months, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, that was a Give bad one. Break. If you it saw was, the x-rays, good, it was yeah. two cracks on either side of the jaw. Yeah. So um, nice touch at the end, given his, his boots out after you know walking around with a broken jaw. But um, Katoa and Wilton were very good. 
I had Trindle with three points, Mulitano <laughs> with two, and I gave Metcalf one. Yeah, whatever. Give him who you want. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> uh, I'd like to make the argument that I think Kennedy should be in there. Yeah, we'll take Metcalf out, put Kennedy in. Yeah, yeah. that'll do. Cool. Bulldogs uh, 16, uh, narrowly to the Knights 22 in not the most memorable game because I've just been thinking that I don't remember much of it. Uh, as, <laughs> as Barney. Uh, what do the stats say though, Barney? Oh, this is the first game of the year that I, I have missed and I haven't gone back and watched it, to be honest, because I had no inclination to go back and watch this game. Um, it was three tries to four, two out of three conversions played three out of four. Missed penalty by the Knights, 80% completion played 84, 28% out of uh, 28 sets out of 35 played 37 out of 44, 650 extra run meters and 150 post contact meters for the Knights would suggest they should have won by about 20, but one line break to four, 11 tackle bust to 22, eight offloads to 10, one force dropout by the Knights, zero 40 twenties, 394 tackles played 347, three ruck infringements to two, Three inside the tens for both teams. Seven penalties conceded to four. Ten errors to eight. Forty-seven tackles for beyond Odo. Watson made forty-two. Hopper made one hundred and seventy-one meters. Clemmer with two hundred and twenty-three. Hopper made ten tackles, missed four. Ponga made three, missed two. Supercoach points: Clifford with ninety-eight. Watson with ninety-five. And Ryan James with eighty-two. I went back and watched the highlights, so I'll just give you a quick pricey on the tries, basically, because that's all they showed in the highlights. Um, that Barnett, the first try with Barnett diving over, the, that was just a try on effort, which is, you know, probably one of the game at the end of the day. Um, and then the two other tries were all off the back of Clifford with his short kick and the, the run where he broke him up through the middle. Um, there was a nice grab from Ockenbore off the kick from Lachlan Lewis across the field at the back end of the game. And Lewis put on both their tries with kicks back through the middle. So, other than that, did I really miss much in this game? <laughs> no, it was a blood driven game. Um, I was just going to go back through Gump's um, <laughs> WhatsApp notes to me, but ah, yeah. um, oh, got, uh nearly scored one of the freak tries of the season. What did he score? Was that a try? Which was that? I'm pretty sure they gave it, didn't they? They did yeah. give it, and there was back another one that trial. wasn't. Mm-hmm. The other one wasn't. Um, yeah, okay. Ollie, do you do you remember much of this? No, not much. I, I watched the game. I mean, we so did I, but the, I, I, we, we were well into the beers by then, and fuck, I didn't I was care. Sort of, it, I'll be honest, I didn't care a lot. Um, no. I got, <laughs> we all were drinking by then. It was a bludger of a game. I thought it dragged Newcastle down to. Um, it's more of a obviously a tarnish for Newcastle in an uninteresting contest. You know, do we have to say much more, Ollie? Or do you remember anything else you want to add? Uh, well, I, I mainly was just staring at my screen, but David Clemmer had an absolute blinder yep. um, against the Bulldogs. Funny that, um, that he that he puts on a bit of a show against his old club. And um, I, I thought Lewis was all right. One of his better games, yeah. And um, I'm not sure if we've ever actually said this before, but um, that Luke Thompson fella is actually a, a good player and makes a bit of a difference to that Bulldog side. Um, Gone for the season now, apparently. Uh, Crush a tackle? Anyone see it? Was it a bad one? Three weeks for a crusher or something? It was a crusher. Who was it? Thompson. Thompson. I missed you. Three weeks for a crusher. Uh, I, yeah, I couldn't comment. Well, we've probably disgraced ourselves enough about this game. Um, <laughs> well, going so, off the stats, I had Clifford with three, Clemmer with two, and Watson with one. Yeah, probably but, sounds about right. Sure, why not? But <laughs> the, ne- the next time we see Luke Thompson play, then could be in a Tigers jersey. Quite possible. 
So no, they've said no to that. Um, apparently, that was never a thing, allegedly. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll move on. We'll get to the Saturday main event. Also, um, the other thing from in regards to that was. Uh, oh, the other thing about that is, sorry, that I was going to say, uh, and a bit like Luke Brooksing, is no one's allowed to actually officially say any of this stuff until after November anyway, so there's a lot of dungeon drags in regards to I wouldn't that. mind him and, um, him and Finnegan in the front row for the Sharks if they want to go and try and grab him. <laughs> I, th- I, I think they would not be short of people, of clubs lining up if they're realistic about him for going yeah, to the Yeah, 100%. Uh, we get to the Eels 32 against the Cowboys 16... Uh, stats bar. Yeah, it's six tries to three, four out of six conversions played two out of three. 70% completion played 75. 32 out of 46 sets played 30 out of 40. 120 post-contact metres extra for Parramatta. Five line breaks apiece. 37 tackle busts played 25. Eight offloads to 11. Three force dropouts to two. 353 tackles played 324. One ruck infringement for the Cowboys. Two inside the 10 for both teams. Four penalties conceded to six and 15 errors from both teams. Lussick with 51 tackles, Cotter with 33, Dunster with 181 metres and Holmes with 167. Dunster made five tackles, missed three. Assey made 20, missed four. And the Hammer made four and missed three. Moses with 99 supercoach points, Blake with 96 and Dunn with 85. This was a, this game was a, to me, for a team that won by 16 was a, such an indictment on Parramatta. They were terrible, and they could. This game could have uh, feasibly go gone hard, the other way. But... Oh, <laughs> they were below average. I would say. They think their lucky stars Moses is back because he's added something to them. But there's players there that aren't adding much. Papa E's fallen off a cliff, just about yeah. uh, a cliff even. Um, yep. They're gonna they get RCG back this week and they need him because the rest of them aren't turning up. I, I this game felt like watching a game where they were two teams on a similar level. One just got the ascendancy at the end, uh, which we shouldn't be saying about a team that at one point Definitely was not. third favourite to win the comp. Uh, yeah, the, just concerns cow. I, you know, well again, what am I going to say about Cowboys? These two games, I don't have a lot to talk about, and given we dive deep into two hundred games a year. Uh, I'm not that ashamed to miss these couple. Skim but, over the top of one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what do you think, Martin? Oh, as you said, mate, a win's a win, but I think Parramatta would be pretty disappointed in this one. Mm. Um, there's you know, just way too many errors and penalties, especially for a team in the top six uh, against a team that is running around and probably close to the worst team in the comp at the moment. Um, they let in a couple of soft tries as well with um, pretty poor defence against um, one or two of the tries that the Cowboys scored shouldn't be scored against the top team in the competition. Uh, Warren no. Blake was really good with his ball with the ball in his hand. Um, he's always been pretty good with the ball, but um, you know, for a much maligned player, he he, he cops more flack than any Parramatta player, apart from probably the seven. Strong, but yeah. he he he's a, he's a above average centre. Yeah, 12 tackle busts and two line breaks. Um, Parramatta's halves were pretty strong. I think it's probably the best game uh, Dylan Brown's played all year, and it wasn't great, to be honest. But uh, Lane and Lussick were, were good, and so was Nicore for Parramatta. Drink, drink water and Deer. Drinkwater was the Cowboys' best. Deer was not far behind. And in a, a forward pack that got beaten up, Dunn and Cotter were the best of the pack that got destroyed. But... 
Yeah. Cowboys post. They, they need a whole new forward pack, the Cowboys. Where are they going to get it? This is the thing for me. Where are they going next year? Luke Brooks could end up up there next year, you know. Uh, but that said, you know, don't, he, he doesn't did. he doesn't solve their problems. But that was a rumor um, a year ago, and maybe that's they need something. They, yeah, they just got some that. of these kids come through, and they came, first game or two they were good, and that obviously comes with enthusiasm. But they've fallen away. They've been shown up at first grade that they're not quite at that level. They need to go back to the bench and they need to find – they need two hardheads in that pack. I don't know where they find it from, but they need two blokes that are just going to grind all day. You know where they find soon. it from? They're not grinders. This Parramatta Ford pack's off contract next year. You go and find mm. a – throw money to Paulo or throw, even throw money to Nier Corey. Go and get and a Nier Corey who's going to – Woods or Tolman. They're, do a, they're not the greatest players in the world, but they'll yeah, do a job. Tolman do a job. But Nier Corey's the same, same thing. He's off contract. You'd probably get him yeah. reasonable. And he will play 80 minutes and be serviceable every week. Um, but, yeah, sorry. Um, beyond that, they're going to have to either really home grow for you or they're going to be doing what they're doing this way for a long time. Probably. Yeah, well, well with the Cowboys, I, I, not to be too disrespectful or brutal, but I think you can just about put a line through them for next year as well. Things really there's no real upside to them at all. And it's something I sort of honed in on at the start of this year, but then they sort of hit that patch of form where they were looking like maybe they'd be in that fight for the eight, but they've just dropped off again completely. There's nothing they've got. Well, now it's two players on over a million dollars a year. One's coming back from injury now and is apparently not happy with the coach and has been out a couple of times injured this year. The other one's just been completely up and down. And other than that, as you bring up the four packs, just not good. And you've got an inconsistent one to to seven uh, Dearden I mean he's just been a different player since he's gone there for the most part he hasn't been great and he's supposed to be part of the solution him and Chad Townsend and you look at Townsend's form when he Warriors, was yeah. at the Sharks this year and at the Warriors I mean if he continues to play like that he won't be much help up there so yeah put a line through them and honestly Parramatta without Mitch Fraser is there oh, I can't think of how they'd look without Mitch Moser and Nissan who of course I um, like to bag out a fair bit as well, but he, he's been their best player probably consistently since he's come back, and that's a credit to him. I don't think him alone has been bad. Um, if he was playing the way he was for most of last year, then we'd be really... They might lose this game to the Cowboys, to be honest, and the only other player I really want to bring up from Parramatta is the same guy I brought up last week, Makatoa. I thought, once again, he was immense off the bench, for the amount of time he played. But again, like what impact can that really have on the side? Paramount have won this game because they're versing the Cowboys pretty much consistently. I'd say the, what's it now? They've lost nine in a row. I think it is now. So they've yep. beaten the worst team in the comp. And that's all I can really say for Parramatta. They were not great. And there's no hope because they're about to play, what, Melbourne and Penrith? And they're going to, re- apparently going to rest all their players against Penrith. So, they could get done by 52 weeks in a row and then be out and then play Melbourne again. Is that right? Yeah, they'll, no, they'll play Newcastle. Newcastle. Play Newcastle. Ooh. I'm tipping Newcastle. <laughs> I'm tipping Newcastle. We, we, we talked about it enough, but... I'll wait till two minutes before that game to yeah. hit someone, I think. <laughs> but the further you sort of think down this, maybe, and I'm not sure putting this on Brad Arthur, but maybe they need to blow up this playing core and... And just get rid of three of them and start fresh and go, right, we're going to back one of you. Uh, whether it's Gutho, whether it's Moses, whether it's 
their forward pack and then and and then start Reed's, again. Reed's staying there, so it comes down to Brown, Brown, Moses, and Gutho. And Brown might be the most from where he was around sixteen last year, where we all thought he'd be the Kiwi yeah. five eight. He's disappeared. So and yeah, there's a few blokes in that pack that even need a kick in the ass or to be moved on. So. But it's strange because the start of the year they were probably one of the most dominant packs running around. So mm. I, I don't, I don't get where that's come from. But and, and maybe the whole thing of uh, been in a rift too early. being, uh, don't know. Yeah, mm. is a thing. Maybe not playing for each other. Maybe who knows? I, I, yeah, I don't get how they can all everyone can get to, to Queensland and Penrith have been through much worse than what they've been through, and they've now rebuilt. And uh, Parramatta have. Uh, just disappeared not. and not interested. Um, three points, Moses. Two points. Wonga Blake. One point. One for Lussick or drink water. I'll give it a drink water because I'd argue that um, Cowboys had a chance to win. Lussick was, was good though. Lussick, uh, Lussick's been pretty good all the way through, actually. Very good in defence. Um, yeah. His, his distribution could be a little bit sharper, but yeah, it's, it's still, a, still something there. Anything else to add, Alan? Uh, I literally just remembered it then. Uh, the Cowboys have signed Peter Hiku so far for 2022. I was just sort of thinking towards the near future for them. So um, They don't need outside backs, man. Top, top some good young outside backs. Yeah. Like. Anyway, Hiku, you think eh? Todd Payton being a front rower for however long he was in his career, he'd realise that his pack's not up to it and he needs to replace a few of them. But anyway. Peter Hiku might be starting a prop next year. Who knows? Play second row. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't... I don't understand what Todd Payton wants from his team, but maybe no one does. Maybe he just can't get it. Maybe because look at what he did with the Warriors at the end of last year. That was built off tough set completion and yeah, but he had a pack of monsters, man. Like, but they weren't they weren't even as good as what, he, what Warriors are now. They weren't. Like he's got Lukey coming through. They rely so much on Tamalolo, but there's there's not a lot else to help him. So yeah, no, uh, fair enough. Unfortunately, we won't get it, but. I'd love to see the Cowboys versus the Bulldogs next week because I think the bull, I'd I'd be close to tipping the Bulldogs. Yeah. Mm, mm. All righty. Uh, we get to the Sunday games. Uh, Roosters 40 defeated a, a plucky Dragons 22, at least for 20 minutes or so there, Barney. What did the stats say? Yeah, we had four tries to eight, three out of four conversions for the Dragons and four out of eight for the Roosters. 78% completion uh, played 73. 28 out of 36 sets played 30 out of 41. 120 post-contact moves for the Roosters. Five line breaks to 12. 35 tackle busts played 47. 10 offloads to 13. Three forced dropouts by the Roosters, 0 40-20s. 388 tackles played 311. Two ruck infringements by the Dragons, four by the Sydney Roosters. One inside the 10 for both teams. Three penalties conceded to two. 11 errors played 15. Sims made 50 tackles. Egan Butcher with 37. Ravalawa with 154 metres. And Teddy with 318 metres. Cost me my super coach too. (laughs) Ravalawa missed four tackles, made five. Lomax missed four and made 16. Lamb missed four, made 16. And Jared Warrior Hargraves missed four and made 29. Teddy with 182 Supercoach points. Tapu, uh, Tapau with uh, Tupu with 112. <laughs> Hutchinson with 109. And Lomax with 95. 
I've moved on from Tupu. I used to get that name wrong every uh, <laughs> every every week last year. I used to cop it. Anyway, um, yeah, there was twenty minutes here where Dragons looked really good. Zach Lomax mm-hmm. and uh, that I guess right hand side looked really uh, really dangerous. If uh, Ravalard, you know, doesn't throw a pass forward, they're in the game. Uh, they you know, Lomax is a good. Uh, I think the takeaway for me was Lomax. Oh, Lomax he's a good player. He's a real good centre, yeah. Uh, and he's one of the better ones. We haven't seen him a year, but um, that's where they look most dangerous. And with a partner in crime in Ravalawa, um, it's something to play towards next year, whatever team they put on a field. Um, but, you know, there was that weak stuff where Roosters let in those points. A lot of them, you'd argue, was always soft. That's what I was, yeah, uh, was going to so, say. So, yeah, to, to bring it around, yeah. Would argue. This is now the absolute bottom of the barrel. With all due respect to them, bottom of the barrel yeah. of what Roosters have left. And uh, it showed, I think, is, is is the main point. And one, Jay Tedesco wasn't in the field. They lose a the game, but luckily he was. Luckily he's the best player in the world, or top three, and luckily he was there to score and be involved with 40 points. And that was the <laughs> takeaway for this game. Uh, backed up by some capable um, help. Uh, Takiyahu played more minutes and, and looked pretty good, and uh, yep. Tupanua missed a few, as he does, but was uh, very dangerous in attack again. Uh, Lockie Lamb had a couple of moments. Sam Walker off the bench. Interesting to get your thoughts from both of you on that in a sec. Can't take a lot, and and Manu had a quiet game. I thought, um, yeah, just on the back of that, mate. Considering what they're missing, they're still a good team. But there's well, still I'll get to that in a sec. Let, let's get to that in a sec. Fourth and fifth best team in the comp. You know what I mean? And but I think um, I think the coach would be a bit disappointed, to be honest, with the last five minutes of the first half and probably the first ten or fifteen minutes in the second half, as you mentioned. It was um, that's when the Dragons really pumped up and they put the effort on the Roosters and um, the defence was found wanting a couple of times there. Uh, Teddy was sublime. He's stopped that little bit side-to-side stuff in the last couple of weeks and started playing a bit more direct. And, um, yeah, he's he's reaping the benefits from it. That pass that he threw for Copley, for the, that cutout pass for him to score in a corner, that was as good as just about any 5'8 running around in the competition. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if he ends his career as a 5'8". Um, I don't know if his defence is up to it, but his um, passing game definitely if is. only and someone if... on the show had mentioned that four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, his kicking games, his short kicking games up there as well. So, um, yeah, what do you say about Tedesco? He's, he's fantastic. Um, the Dragons team's going to look a fair bit different from what it looked what it's been looking looking for most of this year, I would imagine. Um, Young Amon was the Dragons' best player. He adds a lot. He's got some serious energy. He looks like a, a natural ball player, and he's um, he's a good runner too. He moves very well with the ball in his hands. So um, he could end up being, I dare say, he'll end up being their six. He could play center. He could play fullback. He could play pretty much anywhere in the back line that they want him yeah, to play. And you throw a Sloan in there as well. That's you know, it's something. It's a, a bit of spark. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, Sullivan wasn't involved as he probably should have been, but he's got some good touches in him too, the young fella from the Dragons. Uh, he, he looks like a, a halfback in, in the making. It might take him a couple of years from now, but um, he's got some skills there. Lomax, as you mentioned, he's a, he's a very good centre. Jack Bird could probably be the other centre or a back rower and, you know, th- there's something to work with. And a full season of DeBellin. Like, you, you know, there's bones of a team you could... 
Yeah, 100%. Um, McCulloch's probably only got one year left in him. They might need they need to find another nine. There's there's a few questions, Brooks. but there's something to build on. <laughs> um, Lee is in great form. As you've been mentioning, he's off to the Titans next year, but if he keeps that form up, mate, he's he's been probably in the last three weeks, he's been easily top 10 front rower in the comp, go round and round. Um, Butcher and Baker, two young kids coming through with the Roosters. They've probably been thrown a bit in the deep end, uh, just considering <laughs> obviously all the outs they've had, but they look like there's something there and they're developing okay. Um, Walker bounced around pretty well when he did come on the bench. Um, had a lot more energy than he, he's had at different times this year. Um, he, there's still a few question marks about his passing game and his kicking game under pressure, but... He's it's um, an definitely someone. It's an interesting thing that Robbo's doing now because he's decided he's not the half to get win him an 80-minute final. Yeah. So he's sort of put him to 14. Is it just a, hey, we've got you for down the road, you're 18, we'll get you through it? Or is that, is that heading well, towards Well, that's what Hutchinson role? does. I know I, I gave him a bit of crap last week saying, you know, that's why he hasn't played as many games as he has because he had a, had a pretty poor game last week. But... Um, he is a very controlling half when his team's on the front foot. He's got a decent kicking game, you know, and he gets them around. He got him into some really good positions, which um, Teddy fed off on the back and led directly to points. Um, he was very good in this game, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be their seven for the rest of the year. What they do with their six is going to be, you know, it'll be between um, Walker and and Lachlan Lamb. Um they might have seven on their back, but they'll realistically be playing six because Hutchinson will be the bloke who's controlling it uh, out of the middle of the field. Uh, Tupu's Tupu. He, he's such a good finisher. Obviously, we all talk, carry on about his size and how tall he is and how good he is under the high ball, but even the way he ducks under guys when he gets the ball at his feet, he can pick it up off his feet and dive under someone and score. He just finishes so well. Um, don't have a lot more in this one. Ollie? Ollie. Um, I'm just trying to think of his name. Um, I've had a mind blank, but um, James Tedesco. That yeah, that fullback for the Roosters. Yeah, he's not too bad, <laughs> is he? Uh, James Tedesco. Yeah, arguably his best game this year. And close to it. that. I mean, that's a very good game because I can't remember the last time he had a bad game. Obviously, with the emergence of <laughs> Papenhuyzen this year and over the course of this season. Turbo's clearly been the best fullback, but people are starting to sleep on Teddy a little bit. And I think also just the fact that the Roosters have lost troops and that they've been struggling that little bit, um, people have forgotten about him. But I'd say nearly half their games this year, if he's not on the field, uh, sorry, at least half the games that they've won this year, if he's not on the field, they don't win. Um, that's just the impact that he's had. Uh, yeah, with the Dragons as well, you're talking about sort of next year, what they're looking forward to. I know we are joking around a bit about him last week, but... Moses Suley still has the potential to be a great player and he's yeah. likely off there next year. And you talk about Jack Bird. I also like what I've seen from him in the back row. So that would sort of shift, yeah. I guess, Bird to the back row. You've got Suley and um, and Zach Lomax, as you said, appearing, which could turn, work out really well for the Dragons. But other than that, yeah, look, Manu had a, a quiet game by his standings, but I still thought his standards, but I still thought he had a good game. Um, and, and that's just the type of player he is. When he has a quiet game, he's still there. But 
yeah, the halves situation, the thing with Hutchison, he brings stability, like more than anything, sort of like a Sam Williams as well. They're not too flashy. They're not amazing halves, but they're just going to bring that stability, sort of calm the team down a bit. Um, and yeah, that control that Barney was talking about. At this point, obviously, next year, I think it's going to be Walker, Kiri, Kiri yeah. two halves. But at this point, from what I've seen, the best halves partner for um, Sam Walker has been Drew Hutchison. He's been the best for him, I think. So personally, I think I'd like to see Walker back in starting um, as long as Hutchison's there. That's a, that's a big one for me, Hutchison, because I, I think he elevates Walker and Walker plays better for having... Hutchison there, so I think as long as Hutchison does Walker end up an actual five eight? Isn't yeah, yeah. No, Kiri will go next year. Absolutely. Yeah. Small halves pairing to carry both, isn't it? That's the only thing. But yeah, it is. But they've got a Walker will grow into himself a bit more. You got Tupanua and um, and Crichton on either on their outside shoulders, so probably not the worst pairing in the world. And Victor Radley in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. I'll, we'll do the, the uh, day games first. Obviously, Teddy three, Teddy two, and Teddy one. But we might even give two poo, <laughs> two and um, Lee one. I gave Hutchinson two. Okay, and I gave Lee one. Um, okay, Ollie. Wingers do what wingers do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like to see yeah. wingers, you know, unless they're running over the top of people or scoring tries on their own. Ollie. Finishing is just their job. <laughs> so. You had me at wingers, Barney. Okay. <laughs> we are the harshest, which massive kudos for the Bizza being so high, given what we give to wingers yes. every week. But he doesn't do his, he doesn't just do his job. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the right. difference. He does that someone else's true. job as well. Uh, so, yeah, all right, we'll go with yours. I'm fine with that, Barn. Um, so how's this for a team? Where would this team be running in the NRL this year uh, in 1-13? to 13? Suwali, Morris, Morris, Billy Smith, Ikevalu, Kieran, Kiri, Collins, Jake Friend, Nat Butcher, Boyd Cordner, Angus Crichton, Victor Radley. Top four? Seventh. Seventh? They'd be where the Knights are. <laughs> it's a good yeah, forward pack say, to run seventh. No, I don't think they're necessarily... Actually, I think they're a bit worse than the current Rooster side. That's sort of what I'm thinking. It's yeah. not... They might even take Paris' spot, to be honest. Yeah, there are people online who have been ranting and raving about it, saying how good they'd be, but... Let's be honest, they probably would be about where the Roosters are now. Yeah. Yeah, the halves are going to struggle a little bit. Um, Verrill's is a bit up and down. So, realistically, I could no, say. No, Jake um, Friend's playing for Jake Friend. Yeah, Verrill's on the bench. Jake oh, Jake sorry. Yeah, point. yeah. Okay. So, the, I'd have, I'd probably have them right up the backside of the Roosters, the current Roosters and current yeah. Manly team. So, which is uh, it's so impressive. And, and I would imagine Bellamy's going to be coach of the year because they're not going to lose a game. But Trent Robertson, what he's done. But fantastic point. This, this, if Teddy had gone down in round 10, they probably are running 10th. If Teddy doesn't get captain of the year, I'm not here. For what he's done for that side, yeah, as well yeah. as the New South Wales stuff, no. I'd be very but, surprised if he doesn't get captain but, of the year. And this is amazing because people talk about what no. happens when Tommy's not on the field. We should be talking about what's happening now Teddy is on the field. Because if Teddy yeah. hasn't been on the field, they'd be running eighth. Might even miss. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, it, that's where it needs to be put into better, better um, light, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, incredible uh, and and a real, f- real, real force to be reckoned with. With now these guys have a year under their belt next year, uh, heading into the next uh, next season, which obviously we'll talk about in our bold prediction show. 
And we wrap up the round, though. Broncos 24, defeating the Warriors 22, Barney. Four tries for the Broncos, five for the Warriors. Four out of four conversions played one out of five. And a missed penalty goal for the Warriors. 79% completion played 83. 31 out of 39 sets played 29 out of 35. Four line breaks for both teams. 35 tackle busts by the Broncos, 30 by the Warriors. Six offloads for both teams. Two forced dropouts for both sides. 336 tackles played 370. One ruck infringement for the Warriors and one inside the 10 for the Warriors. One penalty conceded to two. 11 errors for both teams. Ricky made 38 tackles. Fanua Blake made 38. Tessie New with 217 metres. And Fanua Blake with 207 metres. Kelly missed six tackles, made 24. Uh, Dallin missed three and made four. Chad missed a quarter of his tackles like he normally does. Missed five out of, and made 20. Curran six, missed six and made 33. Milford with 96 points. Hiku with 91. And Hass with 85 super coach points. Isn't it funny when you reel off those stats? We talked about the epic front row clash. It didn't feel like that, but the stats said it was. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it mm-hmm. didn't feel like they were necessarily bumping heads, but um, they carried both their teams. They both carried their teams exactly. Ollie, um, you want to lead off for this one? Yeah. Well, first of all, if uh, Brisbane would like to play like that again next week against the Sharks for the Titans' sake, that'd be that'd be very nice. But um, <laughs> yeah, Milford, someone I want to bring up because I thought he had a Relatively good game. His best game Turned in two clock. years. Absolutely. Yeah, Fucking say, five years. Yeah, don't don't jump on me yet. But um, I guess that's <laughs> positive signs for your South Sydney fan. Next year, him alongside Walker. Uh, I don't that's even know if he's. Well, there's a lot to be said, and this is a thing in life, I suppose, for a weight off your shoulders. Yeah, well, exactly. He's got no pressure on him. He's just come in and uh, done a job. Payne Haas, immense as usual. If the Broncos win a game, Payne Haas is usually the best player, at least in the top three. Even when they get flogged, he's the best player. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah the Broncos. But, um, yeah, and Tessie New as well. I, I thought had a great game there at fullback. He, I, I keep bringing up the Broncos, the only team who doesn't have an established fullback um, sort of locked down. But I feel like Tessie's on the way. To, to sort of lock him down. They're shopping him around, aren't they? He's just resigned oh, okay. for next year. So a one-year extension, which, you know, with a young player who yeah, good. you're looking to play at fullback, yeah, you'd think they'd extend yeah, him. Yeah, I think they've re-signed but... him, Cobbo, Kelly. There was talk that they were shopping him Ricky, around. Yeah, Her- they've, they've re-signed, I think everyone they've re-signed, basically, apart from the obvious that are going, Coates and Milford. Yeah, good. Bully Moore's going somewhere else. Anyway, can't remember where. I thought it was a half-decent game. Both these teams are pretty much on the same level at the moment, to be honest. Um, Broncos are on the way up and the Warriors are on a bit of a slide just at the back end of the year. Um, the Warriors' halves are probably their biggest issue, to be honest. Their forward pack stands up most weeks. Vanilla Blake's been absolutely immense since he's come back. Um, yeah, there's a couple of lucky tries for both teams. Uh, kicks and bounces of the ball, second kicks, and <laughs> just the way the ball bounces. I've never um, seen a ball, the bounce of the ball, decide so many tries. Yeah, there was, was every a good try. three or four of them at least, um, and they were crucial ones as well. But um, both teams put in effort for 80 minutes, which is good considering both of these teams do have a good fade in them, but they, they, both, um, they both had a pretty good crack. Milford turned back the... The clock, he has actually taken on the line, and that was a big thing for me. He was um, 
he, he had so many runs of the ball, considering some games during the year he'd have four or five runs of the ball. I think he had upwards close to 20 runs of the ball. Um, he was taking it in, into the line and getting shot, getting shot at as well, but and then getting the ball to his outside men. Um, Herbie's increasing his his workload. Um, he sort of would go. He was always doing good things, but he wasn't doing it that often. And now he's starting to increase that workload. He's um, becoming a serious uh, serious option in the centres for for a first grade team. Um, yeah, I really like what I'm seeing out of him. Hass is just a front row forward god. He's and Fanua Blake, like they're just they're just enormous. They're, I absolutely love front rowers when they put in the way they put in, and those two um, do it pretty much every time they play. As you mentioned, Tessie New was good, um, and yeah, that's probably exciting for Broncos if he's going to stay there for next year. He does get a little bit sort of mixed up in his head occasionally, but um, he's definitely a decent player. Um, Hiku Walsh were, were pretty good behind Fanua Blake. Um, Aiken and Curran also were fairly good. Uh, I, I thought the Warriors were probably actually slightly the better side in this game, but um, their, their goal kicking obviously let them down. I don't know why Chad's not kicking, to be honest. Um, gave it to Reese and he sprayed them all over the joint. But what can you say apart from well done, Milford? That was um, that was an effort. It was serious effort from a bloke who's been maligned for, what, five years now? So. 100 percent he was um he was apex like apex half in this game he was yeah. as good as anyone in the comp at times here um yeah incredible to watch uh you, you've summed it up pretty well I, I don't have a lot to add yet I like we said about herbie herbie's next year could be one of the top you know half dozen centers in the comp if he keeps going with some decent service from adam reynolds with you know a few little things here and there um, he tries hard. He's got decent footwork. Um, always busts his ass. Bold prediction-wise for next year, it's uh, interesting what we'll do with Brisbane because uh, I think they're on the ascent. I think they're, they're getting some ducks in order, and I think you know there's, there's good. They've definitely to got a plan. Yeah, like they've, they've put together the bones of what they want, and they've, they've got a plan of where, where they want to go. So yeah, um, you, and you've summed up. You, you you've nailed down what you said about the Warriors. Uh, you and Aitken's fantastic. He's fantastic in the back row now. Um, <laughs> He's like you know that whole running bit of footwork Paul back got a couple row. Of tough years, yeah, <laughs> so, left in his career. So yeah, and uh, and Curran um, is fantastic as well. So they again, they're a team. We'll see where it all goes with you know with the coaching they've got. But Reese Walsh going to be there. Sean Johnson coming in again. They're they're you know there's a couple, there's three or four clubs that you can have exciting things about. Uh, sadly, none of them play in, you know, orange and black. Um, but, you know, if it was an entertaining game. I enjoyed it. Uh, thoughts on the uh, last try? I didn't think the last try was a try at all. The Warriors try. Aiken one? Yeah, no, the, yeah, the Aiken one, yeah. I'm not sure if he did get that because you can see Ricky's, uh, sorry, the winger's hands, Coach's hands coming over the top. You didn't really get a good angle at the at um, Aiken's left hand. I think it might have just snuck under, but yeah, it didn't look from the angles we were given. Didn't really look like a try. But it was bizarre because it sounded like the video ref said we have a decision, no try, and then the green light came up. <laughs> he said, "Oh, he said it's been grounded in the in goal. We have a decision." And I, okay, and then it was a green light. It was weird. Well, usually to score a try, you ground the ball in the in goal. No, but it was anyway. Yeah. Then, oh, I'm being shut up, yeah. Um, the, um, <laughs> Milford three, Hass with two, and I had Fanua Blake or Herbie. For yeah, no, 
go um give it to different all Blake. Uh, but I do want to say, Ollie, um, you were the Albert Kelly proponent at the start of the yes. year, and yes. uh, he was fine again. Uh, very nice yeah. pick up to score, and he, you know, he was. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think even Barney, you flagged that this might be their best halves combination. Finally, um, so yeah, at the moment. <laughs> so yeah, we, I guess we're going to see it for a couple more games, and then it'll be moved on again. And just where Albert Kelly fits with Adam Reynolds, there will be interesting as well. And Gamble coming yeah. back, but I, I'd say he's probably the the second string half. The yeah, Broncos I think he'll just, play a, a fair bit of reserve grade, to be honest. Yeah, yeah um, I think they'd just be happy to have a year. It'll be the Gamble belt. first, yeah, but yeah, and have a year just to go right. Well, he's give cover. us other options. Yeah, yeah. Um, pen out of the week, Oliver. Pen out of the week. So it, it's sort of more a generalisation here, and. Uh, NRL fans are still there as well, but I'm actually going to cross the code a little bit because a- AFL, naughty, naughty. Um, the AFL finals are actually starting this week, which I didn't know till yesterday till I saw a post from the AFL. And I thought, oh, okay, a couple of teams didn't even make the finals. Richmond Tigers didn't even make the finals and they've won three of the past four grand finals, I think it is. So I was looking through the comments and all the comments were just so negative. Oh, this is the worst final series in history. All these teams are shit, rah, rah, rah. And I put up a post a couple of days ago in Rugby League, in my opinion, asking people how they thought the finals would play out. And there was so much negativity there as well. People just saying, oh, the finals will be shit. Most of the teams are just crap, rah, rah, rah. Well, the AFL one I'm going to really hone in on because there were people who genuinely said no one there deserves to be in the finals. Well, what about the other 10 teams in the competition that, didn't make the finals. Yeah, I'm like, sorry, but if they're the top eight, what yeah, what the hell's yeah. going on with the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, are we just in a stage, unfortunately, with AFL, for AFL fans, where no one's good at AFL at the moment? Because apparently some people must genuinely believe that. But yeah, it's just that. And it, it sort of started creeping up in rugby league a bit as well. And I just sort of think those people, well, you're complaining now, but you're still going to watch. And you know what? In, in rugby league, at least, the intensity, we know it goes to that new level. It's a different sort of game once you get to the finals to an extent. So I'm sure we'll see some cracking games of football and good on the AFL. I'm sure the same could be said for them, but yeah, just some of these fans, it's, it's just about, what it's, you expect. Like it's a, how they shit. It's an overview of society, mate. It's 75% of people just, if you, if you're not good enough, you got to find excuses why you're not good enough. And if you're not good enough, everyone else is worse than you. And you know what I mean? It's the way people There are. is also and just I hate hate on everything. generalization about AFL fans. I've got a feeling it's because they're from Victoria. Like, fuck, they're wankers. <laughs> anyway, uh, pop plan of the week. I'm going back for a recurring theme. Corey Allen. He has not deserved his paycheck. I think <laughs> 21 rounds out of 23 this year. He won't be. In, he won't be in the. He'll be shopped around soon. I would imagine so, um, considering how hot he was at the back end of last year playing fullback for South. Um, seven runs, zero tackles, one miss, one error. And yeah, just to back it up with the majority of his season, he gets my pot plant. Is that testament how much outside backs don't mean shit and you can just stand off? Uh, Most of them. If you can catch and run, <laughs> you can score tries off Cody Walker. There's some good ones, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ollie. I'm going to pot plant the Bulldogs first night's game. I think you could pop a pot plant on halfway for 80 minutes and I'd be better as watch. interested. I'd remember it. Watch jewel it out. <laughs> <laughs> Two pot plants just running into each other. They're good. <laughs> I'll second that because I, I would remember a pot plant on halfway and I don't remember that game. 
Uh, slap. Oh, I'm going to slap the West Tigers because I'm fucking sick of them and I haven't really done it yet. I've pop planted, but I haven't really slapped them. But fuck, I'm making it a slap for annoying me. Uh, and putting my and more, what's worse is subjecting my poor son to it. He was so excited <laughs> to have a brand new West Tigers jersey this week, and he wore it three days this week. And then I had to explain to him they lost and why. I don't blame the club. I blame you. I, I should never. I should have bought him a Melbourne jersey. <laughs> should have just bought him a Melbourne jersey with Grant on the back, and he could have been happy for life. But no, he gets to live in, uh, live with me. Tiger Town. Beyond blue, everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 13, 11, 14. That's it. 13, 11, 14. Barney. I'm going to slap Jerome Luai. Um, he just seems to be taking an absolute backseat since Cleary's come back. Um, and he wasn't doing a great deal before he did. Two runs for one metre um, and one tackle bust. So he must have made that metre when he busted a tackle. <laughs> <laughs> um, he made 17 tackles, missed two in an error, but he just Hang not on, involved. How do, you, <laughs> how do you bust tackles? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm dubious on these stats you keep reading us, David. <laughs> They're coming from they're coming from the NRL.com, mate. Mm, so. okay. All right. Uh Ollie? Gonna slap. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna and who knows, maybe this time after slapping him for probably the eighth time of the past ten weeks, this one might actually hurt a little. I'm going David Fafita again. Um against the storm. Like lucky that I, I think it was a good performance, at least in that first half. Everyone really stood up and but except for the man who should be standing up. Every week, we said plenty about him, and all I'll say is, um, I, I think this game against Newcastle next week might be played at that finals intensity. It's must win for the Titans. A bit of a spoil. I'm tipping them because they have to win, and Newcastle drive those weaknesses. But he, if he doesn't step up in this game, what's the point? This is what it's all. This is a game where we need him to. He might have to carry us to victory. Like he needs to be up for this one. So I'm going to slap him. And, and we're not ref shamers here or anything like that, so we're not going to dwell on it, but I also want to have an honorary slap to Grant Atkins, just for something to do. Um, <laughs> weeks just to something to do. Mm. <laughs> salute, Ollie. Oh, salute. I'm going to salute Jaden Campbell. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, sort of chuck Greg Marjum in there as well because they both come in as people, players making their NRL debuts respectively. And in 2022, I think they've both locked down a spot in the Gold Coast Titans, 17 at the very least. Marja will be starting on the wing and it depends what you want to do with Campbell. He's versatile, so he may end up coming off the bench as a 14. He'll end up at one, I would imagine. I would be putting him at one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to salute Teddy. Um, yeah, I've got a job for him carrying pigs if he wants it because he just carries fucking football teams <laughs> and carry, he carries 13 blokes every week. So He carries um, DoorDash ads as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, he's been absolutely tremendous. And as Ollie mentioned, this was probably close to his best game of the year. So Very good. Uh, I will salute Anthony Milford. Why not? We've all given it to yeah. him for forever, uh, forever yeah. since his show's inception. And uh, he had the game of the last five years on the weekend. So, uh, again, if he's not on that field, Brisbane don't win, and that was fantastic. So good on him. <laughs> Bonus salute for all those front rowers in the game too because that was great. Uh, this has been our review show, Footy and Frothies. Find us on social, YouTube, uh, Beer Garden Empire. Uh, I don't know if our Insta's been doing much lately, Ollie. You bludger. I've been off, so actually. if you could get on that, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm going to cut your pay if you don't. Uh, Barney... Thank you, and we will be back very shortly for our preview show.